Welcome to the Grace Podcast, a production of Grace Ministries in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us, and we pray that you are blessed and inspired. For more information about Grace, be sure to check out gmrh.org. Now let's listen in to this week's message. And the message, one through three, tells us, I am the real vine and my father farmer. And uh, King James says, husbandman. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes, and every branch that is grape-bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. You're already pruned by the message I have spoken. And I want to stop right there for a moment. The King James tells us in verse 3, it says, Now you are clean, or pruned, through the word which I have spoken. You know, one of the things I want us to hear and, and understand today and know today is this, that God's word is, is infallible. It is creative. And when he spoke the worlds into existence, and when he spoke life to a world that was void and without form, and he made things possible through his word, and when his word, his message comes to you and I, I want you to hear this today more than anything else. His word can change everything about you. His word can change you from the inside out. His word is absolutely amazing. I'm trying to think of a good word for it, and that wasn't a good word. His word is all powerful. And when you and I hear that voice of God, and we hear His Word, then all of a sudden something happens inside. Something changes us from the inside out. And that's the Word of God. And He is saying to us who He is. He's given us the order here in these first three verses. But the thing that He's telling us too is that His Word has made us clean. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I, I feel like I just need to stop here for a moment. All week I've, I've been feeling that the Spirit of God has been speaking to me about ministering in a special way today, and I have had trouble finding that spot where that is. Sometimes as a pastor you know that God says, this is what I want, and then you go and do that. And there are other times you get here, you know He wants to do something, but you're just not sure what He wants to do. But right now, I need to tell you something today. When His Word has come to you, and you hear His voice, and He has spoken to you in His Word and through His Word, He makes you clean. Wow. Because some of us struggle with that. We struggle with past. We struggle with things. We struggle with life. We struggle with decisions. And we, and in all of that, we're here in this moment and we're wondering if God really cares about us. I'm here to tell you when He has spoken to your heart and that word comes, He makes you clean. So I declare to you today the word of the Lord. God, I need you to receive this. You are clean by the Word of God. If you're wondering who I'm speaking to, I'm speaking to you. You are clean. 
All the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We are clean. And His mercy is new every day. Every day it's new. When you rise up and someone reminds you of what you were and what you've done and where you've been, He is telling you, I've made you new every day. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, thank You for Your Word. What we need to do is receive that Word and tell ourselves, literally, at this moment, say, God, Father, I receive Your Word to me. Thank You for making me clean. If that's you today, you need to say that now. You need to say, Lord, thank You for making me clean because if you get that now, you'll get what He's saying later on. But if you're still wondering about your past and your decisions and you're wondering where you are, then you're going to miss the next step. So right now, can we just stop and say, Father, thank you for making me clean. Hmm. Oh, glory to God. Oh, Father, thank you for making us whole and cleaning me from the inside out. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. One of the things that I want us to know today is this, that we're handpicked. We cannot come to the Father. We cannot be born again unless we're drawn by the Spirit of God. So it has to be the Spirit of God reaching out and speaking to you and and calling you to Him. The reason that's important is is this. Had He not done that to you, then there's no way you could be born again. There's no way you could be saved. Except that God would draw you to Himself. That's amazing. And what's even more amazing, of all the people in the world that have ever lived... He found a way to find me and call my name and call your name. Why would God call me? Am I that special? Am I that great that God would call me out in the middle of nowhere for me to be born, born again? Who am I that I would become the child of God? What have I done to earn that, to deserve that? What pedigree do I bring to the table that God would say, Tim, oh, I like him. You know, I remember as a child um, when we would play ball and we'd have pickup teams. Anybody ever have a pickup team? If you were the last kid picked, what did that mean? Right? And you knew you were really good when you became the what? Captain or the one making the choice. This is Tim's team or this is Billy Ray's team, right? You always wanted to wait a minute. One day, I'm going to be the guy that they say, hey, I want to be on Tim's team. But first, I had to get on the team. I had to pay my dues in, in that. This isn't that kind of thing. God just seemingly, randomly called my name, but he didn't randomly do it. He knew from the beginning that he was going to call my name because he's all-knowing. And he, from the foundation of the world, knew that he was going to call my name. 
I don't deserve that. My decisions didn't deserve that. But yet he loved me. He loved me so much. So I want you to hear today that when he speaks his word over you, his salvation, his hope over you, you are clean. You're made brand new. In this first few verses, he tells us that we are grafted into him. He gives us the order of how it works. We are the branch. We're not the vine. We're the branch. One of the saddest things for us to realize today is this. Too many of us are trying to conform the gospel to our world instead of us conforming to the gospel. We want the gospel to fit my lifestyle and my way of life and my how I live, and we're not willing or wanting to change by the power of God. See, we're changed by His power and made clean, but then our life must represent His change. Now in that, I'm not telling you how to walk, talk, dress, what you can and cannot do. The Word of God already tells us those things. Amen? And to him to know to do good and you do it not, to you it is sin. There are things in your own life that you know if you don't do or you do that you know is wrong. Amen? So you don't need me to get up and say, oh, if you do this or you do that, then it just, I don't need to tell you those things. But I do know that you represent the change that's inside of you. So, for example, and I'm not a gardener, so when I read this, I understand what's happening, but I don't know all the details, so I'm not going to get up here and spout out a bunch of stuff about gardening and make you think I really know what's going on, but I do know what can happen. I do know if there is a, a vine and I want to graft something into it, there's a way to do that, and then I can begin producing what that vine is. Okay? I do know that much. Not saying I can do it well, I just know how it happens. But what happens here with us in this particular passage is very good for us to know and understand, and that is this. When I am grafted in Christ, I now, in my branches, can produce Christ. Wow! Does that mean that Tim thinks he's great? No. The only reason that can be produced is because I'm grafted in him. And because I'm in him, he can then now produce himself through me, the branch. So what has to happen for that to, for that to happen? What has to take place? I have to stay grafted. I have to stay in him. When I separate myself from him and from those things, then all of a sudden I die and I wither and I begin to produce something else other than him. And see, the father says this, and he's the one that's the, the, the one that does the pruning. He comes around and says, you know, I need to trim this up on Tim. I need to trim that up on Tim so that now I can produce even more. For those who have tomato plants, what do you do? You get rid of certain things on the plant so that you can produce more, right? 
when you have too many corn stalks or seeds or whatever you put out, you get them too close together, you got to thin them out so they can produce. There are things in all of our lives that need pruning. Sometimes there's too much of Tim being produced. So the Father cuts off those things so that what? I can produce more. And that's what he's telling us here. But if I don't produce and I separate myself from Christ, what happens? I then dry up and I die and I don't produce anything. So I become dead wood, a dead branch. And what do you do with a dead branch? You cut it off. You throw it into the fire. That's what he's telling us here. So let's read on. Live in me, make your home in me, just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You cannot, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. We wonder why we don't bear the things of God. Of God. We've got, we're trying to still stay connected to what we were instead of staying connected in him. All right? I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation, intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce the thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood. Gather up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my Father shows who He is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. He breaks it down really well for us, doesn't He? And and Pat and I were talking about this before, and I've used this analogy before. If our life is like a computer and we have malware and all this other stuff inside of our hard drive, we're going to produce corrupted things. Our programs aren't going to run. Our things aren't going to happen right. Everything about our life is not going to work as well. I'll give you another example. Yesterday I was putting up a mount, and I had to tighten up some things on on, on the nut there in the for what I was doing in and all I had was channel locks, big pliers, and I was just turning, and there was just very little room to turn, and I was turning. And in my mind, I knew that in my truck, I had what I needed <laughs> to make that thing work. But I didn't want to come down from the ladder to walk outside in the heat to get what I needed. But I knew if I went and got what I needed, I would be done so much faster Right? And the job would have been done even better. But I was working it just as hard as I could go, just barely turning. Anybody else ever done those kinds of things? Huh? So finally, I relented and went outside and got the stuff, and I was done like boom. And knowing the whole time that's what I needed to do. In our walk with the Lord. We know what we need to do to stay grafted in his word, to stay grafted in him so that he can be produced in us and through us.
but we'll try everything possible because the one thing we don't want is that minister to be right. We don't like being told what to do or how to do it and when to do it. We don't want anyone controlling us. Come on. You know, like the fellow said, plow a little deeper. You hadn't reached me yet. We don't like those kinds of things in life because we're our own person. We're an American. We have an opinion. We have rights. Can I tell you, and I will tell you, there is no entitlement programs in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We were dead. We had no hope, no life. And by His grace, He came and took a dead branch, grafted it in Him, and made it become alive. We had nothing. In college, I learned from my professor, way, and this was way before the computer stuff for me, um, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever I put in me is what's going to be produced in me. If I produce his word in me, then out of me will come his life. If I produce other junk, that's what's going to come out. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of that comes who I am. And what's in. So whatever I have inside of me, that's what comes out. Give you a quick story. When I was uh, working at a place, a lady had a sister in California, and her sister was into a lifestyle that was a lot of drugs, a lot of men, and she had a child, and the child was three or four, and before long, the men were taking advantage of the child with her permission so she could get her drugs, she could get her stuff. So the sister in here knew about it, and said, I need to help her. So she brought her back. Now the girl is 10, 12 years old. And brings her here and says, this is the only way she can have hope. When she did, she was talking to me about it, what she was going to do. And I said, man, that's awesome. That's great. You, that's, that's phenomenal that you're going to do that. That rescue. I said, but there's going to be a period of time that somewhere what's going on in her has to come out, either through help, through counseling, through and for me at the time, I said through a commitment to the Lord, that's the only way that this child is really going to be able to change. But what's inside her of her has to come out somewhere. That has to be dumped somewhere. I said, so just be aware of that. When you're loving and caring for her, something happens. It may not be a retaliation towards you, but it is a, a emptying of who she is because now she's taking in better things. It wasn't long. She said, I'm having to send her back. She said, why? She said, she's taking advantage of my three-year-old boy and done things to him that were done to her. What we allow to be put in us eventually is going to come out. The safe place for us to empty that is in the presence of God. 
And I need to tell you, when He has cleansed you, you're cleansed. And we need to bring ourselves to that place where we can surrender to Him. And when those things begin to stir up in us, and we know when they are, we then need to come to Him and say, Father, this is up again. I need to get rid of this. I need this out of my life. We don't need to hold on to it or hold it or say, well, one day I'll take care of it. We need to go to Him then so He can cleanse us. That's called pruning and cleaning us. So that those things of our life can be removed from us. Those impurities, those viruses, those whatever we want to call it in whatever world we understand that in so that we can get rid of those things. And when we do, then He can keep us in the direction that we need to be. We can then continue to produce Him. See, the branch doesn't have to be fully mature to produce Him. It just has to be connected to Him. Will the branch have flaws? Sure. But it still can produce who He is. And we're cleansed by Him. And some of my favorite verses talk about renewing our mind. And then renewing the spirit of our mind. When you and I allow the Spirit of God to come in and do those things in us, it helps us get rid of the stinking thinking and put in Him so that life can come out. And when life comes out, it can change our world. Verse 9 and 10 tells us this in that particular chapter. It says, as the King James says, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Jesus is letting the disciples know that love is evident. Love is there. And he is demonstrating to them what has been demonstrated to him. He's only speaking throughout this book of the love of the Father. He's speaking of the love of God. He's speaking how the Father has said this and the Father has said that. I was um, in training this week, and Terry and I were in training with some other guys. And, and as we were coming back, I'm, I'm the designated driver in a good way because I have a commercial license. And so I'm driving back, and, and uh, I hear the guys talking. You know, you hear all kinds of stuff in the back of the bus. So if you still ride a school bus, I want you to know people can hear everything you're saying. Okay, it's like a big chamber, and everything goes around. And uh, so... I'm riding along, and, and I, I start laughing. And I call him Terry Lee at work because his dad's Terry, so that's why I do that. I hear Terry, and he would say, well, my dad, and then he says that what his dad says in a good way. And then he said, well, my dad, when he was doing this, so in a 15, 20, 30-minute ride home, I bet you I heard him reference his dad five eight times and in that moment his dad was the reference point of what he was saying about how to do this with a lock and the guy was asking question how to do that and this is you know so I'm up here laughing I think man this is really cool he probably doesn't realize that he referenced him that much which was a good thing not in a bad way wouldn't it be awesome to say my father says this. My father says that I can love. My father says greater love hath no man than this that I lay down my life for my friends. 
My father says that if I ask anything in Jesus' name, it will be done. See, if we can make those same references that there that we do in life, in our everyday life, in our everyday walk, and we can then change it to where we're referencing and speaking of the Father in and through us to our life, then we can stay connected, stay grafted, and when hardships and life comes, He can prune us to make us produce what we need to produce. So all of a sudden we can become flourishing and our life can become abundant in Him because of His greatness. I don't like being corrected. Okay? I'll just be honest with you. I don't know if anybody else does. I don't go around in life and say, correct me, correct me, please correct me. Tell me I did wrong, tell me I did wrong. Anybody else do that? What do we want? You know, sometimes I don't get patted on the back hard enough so I can just learn to do it myself. Right? It's, it's important that we realize that if we're before the Father. He speaks into us His love. Is there correction? Yes, but there's also affirmation. There's also encouragement. There's also hope. There's life. There's joy. And these aren't just phrases of the church. This is reality that He brings into our heart and our life. As the Father have loved me, so I love you. Continue my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. How powerful is that? A few things I want to share with you right quick before we close today. God's the husbandman. Christ is the vine. The believers are the branches. We need to keep that in order, okay? If we're fruitless, we're going to be cut off. If we bring forth fruit, he's going to purge us, cleanse us, so that we can produce more. Every branch is clean. So the moment we get connected to him, he cleans us inside and out. We must stay connected. The branch can never produce fruit on its own. It has to be connected to him to produce. We have to stay connected or we're going to be removed. Okay, we understand that? We can only remain in Christ and have his word abiding in us if we really want our prayers and to be answered. And God can be glorified by the branches when they remain in Christ and produce fruit. That's the lesson that we need to hear. That's what we need to hear. But first of all, remember, you're clean. When you surrender your life to Christ, you're clean. Doesn't matter what anybody else has said. What anyone else promotes in your life, when you surrender to him, he has made you clean. Everybody receive that word.
as I was preparing for this today, I was drawn to some things from history that really affected me, and, and I think I need to share with you today as well. Sometimes if we know what the path of journey that someone or something or a country or a place or a people have gone through, then we can appreciate the message from that later on. That's why sometimes it's good for you to share a testimony of how God brought you from one place to another because then it lets someone else see, oh, wait a minute, their life is similar to mine. Because, see, God took me from there to here. Doesn't mean you glorify your past. That means you glorify the fact he took you from your past. Everybody understand that? And too many times in the church world, we have glorified the past, but what we need to glorify is the God who has removed our past and given us a present hope in him. But a lot of times, someone who has been through difficulty doesn't think that that hope or life is there for them. And that there are a lot of people through the years have given their life. We have every translation you can imagine of Scripture today. You can... You can read, and there are literally seemingly hundreds of them. As you scroll through, you can pick almost any kind of uh, version or any kind of, uh, you can read the message, King James, Amplified, NIV, whatever. You've got so many different things so that you can help you understand Scripture. It's out there. They say there's over 17,000 languages in the world today, and only around 700 have been translated. I was reading that in an article the other day. And literally, there are more people on the planet today that have not heard the gospel than any other time. Because that country, that people group, is not hearing the word. So we really need to spread this message greater than ever before. But there have been people who have given their life so that we can have life. And in this chapter, in verse 15, 13, it says... Greater love hath no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friend. We know that disciples in the early church gave their life. We know that Simon Peter, as he was crucified, requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he deserved to be crucified the same way that, that his Savior was. So he wanted to be done different. Some were beheaded. Their life was given in so many different ways. And across the world today, there are people, they're constantly giving their life every day that we don't hear about. They say there's an estimated between 100 and 150,000 people that are martyred for Christ every year throughout the world. And we don't hear that in the media, and we won't hear that in the media. And this weekend we celebrate Memorial Day, which is, we definitely need to do. We definitely need to honor our fallen brothers and sisters that have given their life so that we can have freedoms. We don't need to take that for granted. But I need to tell you, we need to also remember the men and women that, that faithfully gave their life so that you and I can have the freedom that we have to worship as well in the manner that we get to worship not only in a country, we could be in another country and still have this service, but they have helped us have the freedom. Why? Because they stay grafted 
into the vine, and they knew that if they gave their life here, that it would help somebody else there. For the pastors that were brought out and then just literally uh, their life taken in front of their congregation and daring that congregation to, to serve. You have underground churches. You have churches all over the world that are meeting that are literally under the radar of the government. You and I have such a freedom and a heritage of not only a great country, but also a great faith. And today I encourage you to be thankful for that. I want to share you a story of, of our national anthem, if I can do that today. Francis Scott Key, he wrote the song. It was a poem. He was a, a lawyer, if you didn't know that. And as at the close of the war, uh, you know, the British had hundreds and hundreds of, of prisoners, and they had them on ships, and uh, right off the coast of Fort Henry, or McHenry, whatever it is, I can't remember, it's Henry or McHenry, but, um, and the U.S. had a lot of British prisoners, so they said, let's make an exchange. So under this, uh, a white flag, Francis Scott Key goes out to meet with the British captain or admiral to begin to talk about this negotiation of switching prisoners. And they were talking and they were eating on the ship and doing these things. And so he, he then goes down and after the, they brokered the deal, he went down into the bottom of the ship and they were just literally men in almost like cages hundreds of them and he says I have good news you're going to be free tonight you're going to be free tonight but then it wasn't long and here come the admiral said well you know your men are going to gain their freedom but it's a, a, a moot point because see that fort over there we're fixing to blow it off the face of the planet he said what do you mean he said look over here See all them dots? That's the British fleet. We're coming in, and we're getting ready to demolish every part of that space. He said, you can't do that. There's women and children there. Well, he said, we've told them if they will take down that flag and give their surrender, then we won't bomb them. But if they don't, they're going to be gone. They're going to be wiped off the planet. And so the man down in the, in the bottom of the ship began to ask what's happening. He said, well, they're fixing to do this. So within a few hours, sure enough, here was the ships. And they began to blast unmercifully at that fort. But the flag never fell. It never fell. And they said, we know that we've hit that directly. That particular flagpole, we've hit it directly, and we've, it should not be here. We have done this onslaught. It should never have ta- It should not be standing. And then they brought in more ships, and then they landed. And the U.S. men fought off the landing, and they kept bombing and bombing. And the men in the basement or at the bottom of the ship said, What's going on? Tell us play by play. And he would try to describe it and couldn't describe it. And then it stopped. And all they had to do was wait till morning. 
to see what took place. And sure enough, when morning came, there was the flag. So Francis Scott Key leaves the ship, goes to shore, and he begins to find out what happened. And they said man after man after man came and held that flagpole up. And it's only standing literally by the, the bodies and the men who sacrificed their life so that that freedom flag would never fall. And then that's when the words of the Star-Spangled Banner were literally written out through the rocket's red glare, bombs bursting in there, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Men and women gave their life so that we have the freedom today. But there's one greater than that. When all of hell said that we deserve to die, when he was kicked out of heaven, the devil, and he came to this planet. He has been producing lies and mistruths and attacking all of mankind for ever since. And one greater than him came, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he brought life and hope, and he gave his life so that we could have this life. When they put him in the grave, the devil thought he won, and three days later, hallelujah, that flag of liberty for the Christian is still waving, and it is Jesus Christ, and he's given us hope, and he's given us life. So on this Memorial Weekend, not only remember this great country, but remember this great salvation, and how he has made us brand new and given us life. Jonathan, if you'll come. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God, we worship you. Lord, I'm thankful for where I have been born and the land I live in. Land of the home of the free and the brave. But Lord, greater than that, I am thankful for this gospel and the fact that you have literally grafted me into the vine, into who you are. You've made it possible that I can live and have life. And that no matter what storms of life come, no matter what happens in life around me, Lord God, I can stay true and grafted in you, and you will produce your love and mercy in me at all times. Oh, Father God, I surrender to you now, and I say thank you. Can you say thank you to him right now? Can you say thank you to him right now that he has made it possible for you to live in him? You didn't have to be a special branch. He just said, I love you. Let me do this. And he gave his life so that we can have life. So what do we do in return? We must be like him to our world. As the Father loved him and he loved us, so we love other mankind. Not based on anything other than pure love. We just love. Completely. 100% we love. As we love and we care, and we are willing to give ourselves so that others can live and hear this good news, their life can be transformed and changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
again, I'm thankful for what we're remembering today, this weekend. But I'm here to tell you I want to remember as well every day the hope and the life that comes through Jesus Christ. That's where it all comes from, is Him. Father, I pray blessings and encouragement. If you need the Lord to do something in you today special, would you just lift your hand? I need you to, I need the Lord to do something in me. Yes. Anyone else? Oh, Father God, touch now by your power, your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Would you stand to your feet?